there. Welcome to the Kessler Law Firm podcast. I'm Michael Kessler, and I've been a defense attorney on Florida's Treasure Coast for more than 35 years. And as much as I love Fort Pierce, I got to tell you, sometimes Fort Pierce looks really nice in the rearview mirror. So once in a while, I like to take my show on the road. And today we're going to talk about one of the cases that I took on the road. In fact, I took it all the way to Pennsylvania. We're joined today by my very good friend, Beth Tibbet, who was kind enough to bring me in on a case with her in Pennsylvania a few years ago. Afternoon, Beth. How are you? Hey, Mikey. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Let's talk about old times. I love it. Remind me how I came to be involved as a lawyer in Pennsylvania. I had a murder case and... There were quite a few interesting issues on this murder case. I believe you and I ended up talking about it and we were just kind of hashing it out. I had called you for some advice and we ended up with, hey, you know what would be really awesome? Why don't you come up here to Pennsylvania? Because I know you love Pittsburgh. And I I will pro hoc you in and you can help me with this murder case. Since not everybody listening to us is a lawyer, let's talk about what pro hoc means. Yes, absolutely. When you would like some assistance from another attorney who is not barred in your state, you can actually ask the court for permission to let that attorney serve as co-counsel on a particular case. For one case only. One case only. And that's what we did here. And the, the legal term we use for that is pro hoc vice. Yes which probably doesn't mean for one case only, but that's what we're going to say that it means because it's been a (laughs) long time since Latin class. Yeah, practically speaking, that's what it means. And the reason that there's this procedure is because courts, judges have kind of a supervisory role over what happens in their courtroom, and they don't want to let just any lawyer from anywhere come into court, especially not on an important case. Yes, I like to remind people that this is how Vincent LaGuardia Gambini on My Cousin Vinny got to represent his cousin, the karate kid, um, on that murder case in Alabama. The procedure on on that movie was the the out-of-state lawyer had to actually sit down with the judge and talk to him and get the judge's permission. I don't remember doing that with you on this murder case. No, no, it's a little bit different than that. So the attorney that's requesting permission for the other attorney to practice on that case has to actually write a motion, attach a whole bunch of information, including things like your standing in the Florida bar, that you were in good standing, all the information about the case that we are requesting your help on, and a bunch of other supporting documentation. And then in addition to that, I had to verify that I would be there for all the court hearings, that I would sign all the documents, that I would look over all the documents and basically make sure that you weren't coming in and causing a riot and that I would be responsible if you decided to do that. Exactly. So yeah, I, I had to file an affidavit, a sworn statement that basically said, I'm, I'm a real live criminal lawyer. I'm admitted to practice in Florida and in federal court, 
and I try to wear matching shoes whenever I can. And I know how the, the necktie goes in the front. Right. And you had to verify for the judge, if I remember right, that you weren't just sponsoring me and handing over the case and walking away, that I was going to be working on the case with you. Exactly. Yes. And, and you, I had the ultimate responsibility. If something happened, it would it were, would be my fault. Yeah. You were to be blamed if I refused to follow Pennsylvania law and procedure. That's exactly right. You're a very brave woman. I know. People tell me that. I take risks, you know. It's what I do. So what do you remember about that murder case? Wow, that was that was an interesting case. So by the time you came in on that case, I think our client had been in jail for the better part of nine months before we even got a preliminary hearing, which in Pennsylvania is is the first stage of proceedings. We have a preliminary arraignment, which is what sets bond. And of course, in the murder case, there was no bond able to be set for our, our friend. So he had been sitting, 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 sitting. So I was hired on the case. He'd already been in for probably seven months. I was hired on the case and then we had a preliminary hearing, which happens in front of a magistrate judge, which here that that judge doesn't decide if you're guilty or innocent. They only decide whether or not the Commonwealth or the the state has enough evidence to move forward in the case, which isn't a very high burden. It's a sort Um, of a probable cause standard, right? That's that's exactly what it is. You know, was was there maybe a crime committed and was your client maybe the person who did it? And if the answer is yes, that magistrate judge is going to say, okay, well, I'm going to bind this over to the higher court. And so that's where we were when you came in. Now, if I remember right, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania doesn't require prosecutors to turn over discovery materials until after the prelim, unless the defense waives a prelim. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's because the standard is so low there and we're not determining guilt or innocence. So they think that we don't need to have any of the quote unquote discovery information. Yes. And if I remember right, the prosecutor whose name escapes me, but I remember it was the same number as an all-time Steelers grade. And when he introduced himself to me, he told me no relation. No relation. Yes, no relation. But if I remember right, when you and I started talking about that case, the Commonwealth kept trying to postpone the prelims so they wouldn't have to give you discovery. They did. They did. So I think that was the reason I actually called you and we were talking about it and going back and forth on some strategy with it because, you know, waiving a preliminary hearing is always a scary proposition, especially in murder cases. And you don't ever want to give up your right to do that, to have that first bite at the apple, if you will. And so that's where you and I were talking about it because we certainly didn't want to waive it, but we didn't want to have him spend another few months in jail either. So. So I remember I came up and we were supposed to have this hearing and we ended up having a great powwow in the magistrate's chambers because he wanted to talk with us, but he wanted it off the record. Yep. I remember it was you and me, not our client. He was in the building, but he wasn't in the judge's chambers with us. That's right. Um, But And the DAs. A couple Mm -hmm. of prosecutors and a couple of detectives too. Yes. And we did some trading for information in exchange for a court date. We did. Yes, we sure did. And we learned a lot, didn't we? 
I remember that we learned that the Commonwealth had lost a person they claimed was an eyewitness. Yeah, there's the, a star witness. And yeah, we learned that the detectives had visited that star witness and interviewed him three times, but only recorded two of the interviews. Precisely. Yeah, so we figure it was the first one that they didn't record because he wasn't saying what they wanted yet. And then all of a sudden, we have two interviews that were recorded. Yep. And then he was gone. And I remember that we got to read the autopsy report. Uh huh. Because they kept stalling and saying that the medical examiner wasn't available for the prelim. And then they did bring him that time. Yeah. That's right. And we said, well, mm-hmm. give us the autopsy report and maybe we can just stipulate to it. Sure. Maybe. Which I've never done before or since, but I wouldn't have for the record person. done it then either. But <laughs> so we, we agreed on certain terms and one of them was that we were going to have a discovery hearing in front of the actual trial judge a week or so later. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to say that we reserved our right to challenge the sufficiency of the evidence, even though we decided to waive the preliminary hearing, which normally means that you cannot then go back and say, hey, they don't have enough evidence if you waive it. And that's one of the reasons why it's a scary proposition to waive it, right? Right. Um, But we did, I believe in that case, get in writing that we were not waiving our right to do the uh, habeas corpus. That's how I remember it too. So we were given a hearing a week or two later and I was back in Florida. So I had to call into the judge's chambers. Yes. Yep. And I was there in person with the judge and two prosecutors and they wanted a very long period to produce the discovery to which we of course politely objected. Yeah. If I remember right, our client got arrested about a year after the shooting. And so we were almost two years later And the Commonwealth, the prosecutors had to know that they were going to have to turn over the discovery to somebody once they arrested him. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, it had been, you're right, damn near two years. So I remember saying to the judge, we just want you to put everybody on a deadline. We're just trying to do our job, get our case ready. This case either needs to be tried or resolved, and we can't do it without the discovery. Exactly. I remember him asking the prosecutors how much time they said they needed. And he gave them like 60 days more than that. Yes. Yeah, I think it was, we asked for 30 days. The judge said, yeah, no, that's probably a little bit too little. And then we ended up having it somewhere around 60 days. But I do remember the discovery deadline being right before Christmas. It was right before Christmas. I remember it was a Friday before the Steelers' last home game of that season. You would remember it in Steelers' well, timelines, yeah. Well, I, I remembered it that way because what ended up happening, I was planning on flying up that Friday. You were going to pick up the Discovery, and we were going to spend yep. all day Saturday working on the Discovery, and then we were going to the Steelers' game on Sunday. Yes, we were. And you reached out to me at the beginning of the week because the prosecutor had told you he was not going to comply with the judge's order. That's right. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, do do you have that stuff for me, Mr. Prosecutor? And he said, well, you know, we're working on it, but I don't think I'm going to be able to have it in time. And I said, well, are we going to get a wonderful Christmas present then? 
and get a withdrawal of the case. And he said, well, I don't know about that, but I don't think I'm going to have it on time. Now, I remember doing something that the out-of-state lawyer can get away with that maybe the lawyer that has to deal with these people all the time might not. (laughs) I remember sending you a draft of a motion. I don't know that we ever filed it, but it was a motion for contempt for asking the judge to hold the district attorney in contempt for not complying with the discovery order. And I think I asked that the district attorney be sent to jail because our client was in jail. (laughs) Do you remember that or did I dream that up? No, you didn't dream it up. And after I had a really good laugh and I was like, this is, this is pretty savage. I like it. Let's do it. I may have sent that draft to the district attorney like, hey, heads up, going to be filing this if you don't meet our deadline. That, that may have happened. That yeah. may have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that produced some movement on their side. Yes. So later on that week, the, I think it was the day of the discovery deadline, I got to call the client in jail And I said, dude, are you sitting down? And he was like, well, yes, I am. And I said, Merry Christmas. You're going home. Because the prosecutors decided to dismiss the case instead of giving us discovery. They did. And, you know, that was the right thing. So regardless of the rest of the circumstance, they did the right thing in that instance. Yes. So now I get to report that unlike some other lawyers, present company accepted, (laughs) I can make a claim that hardly anybody else can make a claim. I am undefeated in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You are. Yes. Yes, you sure are. And it's funny, this case that I'm pro hoc vice in Virginia now, Virginia is also a Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And this is also a murder case. And I think if we manage to win this, I think the only other Commonwealth is Massachusetts. So I'm going to have to try to get admitted there. I believe you're right. Yeah. On a murder case, you have to make it like a trifecta of homicide. (laughs) Well, I'm, I am working on that. And I am still so grateful all these years later that you let me come and play in a Pennsylvania court. Oh, and I'm grateful that you did. And you're welcome to bring me in some other time because they've probably forgotten by now. I kind of doubt it, but yeah. (laughs) And the pro hoc vice rules don't say for once in a lifetime. It's just one case at a time. One case at a time. Yep. So you are welcome back anytime, my friend. Well, pick out a case and I'm ready to come to Pittsburgh or surrounding counties anytime you ask. Would you like me to wait until Steelers season officially starts or? I'll leave that up to you. (laughs) I, I love Pennsylvania. I'll come up there anytime. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Beth, thank you for playing with us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you for joining us on the Kessler Law Firm podcast. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on your favorite podcasting site, please click subscribe or follow. So next time you come back, our latest podcast will be ready and waiting for you. And if you'd like to connect and find out more about us, visit our website at www.kesslerlawfirm.com. And Beth, what's your firm's website? It is tibbetrichardson.com. That's T-I-B-B-O-T-T, 
Richardson, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N.com. Terrific. Kicking thank you. Taking names all over the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Heck yeah. Beth, thank you very much. I'll talk to you again soon.